With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome back into the Rocky Top Talk podcast. I am your host, Terry Lambert, joined as always by Evan Winter. Evan, have you recovered from the Rick Barnes scare the other night? <laughs> Man, I recovered as soon as Phil Fulmer put out that statement. So, yes, I've been good. I appreciate checking in on my well-being. <laughs> I, I would like to say there was never a doubt, but there was there were a lot of doubts oh, in my there's mind. Doubt. Yeah, there's some doubt. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways, we're going to hop into a Rick Barnes discussion here as he flirted with, I guess he did more than flirt with, with UCLA, uh, but we're going to break all that down. I want to remind you first that we write for RockyTopTalk.com, part of the SB Nation uh, umbrella covering the Tennessee Volunteers. So uh, before we hop into Barnes, uh, we've got a special guest. Uh, we've got Austin with us, uh, better known as Power T Tape. Austin, thanks for joining us tonight. Gentlemen, good evening. Thanks for uh, extending the invitation to come on. Really excited. Yeah, man. It's going to be fun uh, talking a little spring football with you, uh, mm-hmm. pre- previewing the, the orange and white game. Uh, presented by Chevrolet. Oh, yeah, can't, can't forget that. Presented by <laughs> Chevrolet. Uh, yeah, so we'll hop into that uh, a little later on. But first, got to hit the Rick Barn stuff. So Sunday night, uh, I mean, uh, you know, Tennessee's 31-6. and six. The season's over. Uh, disappointing end. But the last thing I thought I'd be talking about was Rick Barnes leaving Tennessee. And, man, it almost happened. Uh, it, it seemed like it. So uh, what seemed like at first was a, a ploy for a raise quickly turned into something much more, uh, at least seemingly so. Uh, reports were out everywhere that UCLA had offered a, a $5 million a year contract, uh, which, you know, cost of living calculators say that that might have been uh, a little bit of a pay cut for Barnes. But still, it was the UCLA job, and, and that's what he said, and he weighed it heavily. So uh, just a really, really interesting situation there. Uh, Austin, I'll, I'll throw it to you. What yeah. was your first thought uh, when you saw that report come across your timeline? Man, I was shocked uh, because I guess I wasn't shocked because Rick has done such a great uh, job for us. But I, I think I was shocked that even it even got out in the, the news a little bit because it's like at that point it made it seem like a little bit more serious. And so I could have understood UCLA being interested, but when it got to the point where it was like, no, Rick is actually really considering this, and like, I was just shocked I, to, to to think about what he has built in a relatively short period of time at Tennessee to bring us back to number one for as long as we were at it this year, and um, with with Josiah James coming in, and a couple other guys, because I guess if you're going to knock him, it's been that he hasn't recruited at an extraordinarily high level, and he hasn't gotten. Uh, past the Sweet 16, right, and with Tennessee. So, uh, like, he's he's really starting to put it all together here. And th- so to see that, I was shocked. But obviously uh, happy that uh, he had a change of heart, and whether that was because of the dollars that we threw at him or or just because he really loves it in Knoxville, I, I don't really care. I'm just happy he's staying. Yeah, just a, a really odd situation. Yeah, again, 64 years old. 
right. seems like he had built a winner here. You know, we don't know about Grant Williams, um, who, who did declare for the draft but could come back as long as he doesn't sign with an agent. Jordan Bone, same deal. Uh, if those two come back, that's a, that's a top ten team next year. That's a team that could go win it all again. Uh, so it would seem odd for him to abandon all that. And like you said, Josiah James coming in, uh, Corey Walker Jr., another five-star, back-to-back five-stars. Uh, right. Not too bad for a guy whose you know, biggest criticism was he couldn't recruit. Uh, so, and, and he alluded to it. He said it was the allure of, of the, the UCLA job is what pulled him in. But I'll, I'll toss to you, Evan. Is it were you concerned at all about something more? I mean, you heard the reports out that he was feeling unappreciative. You know, only one staffer showed up with him to the Final Four to get the Naismith Trophy. Uh, I seem to think there's a little more there. How about you? Yeah, I was I wasn't really concerned until Monday uh, when I woke up. You know, and <clears throat> excuse me, and the news had come out that they officially had made the deal and he was interested in you know, Chris Lowe reporting it. And John Feinstein came on a 104.5 The Zone, and he's really good friends with uh, Rick Barnes. He's a writer for the Washington Post or was a writer for the Washington Post. Um, but he even said that Rick Barnes was interested in the deal, and that's when my the expression we've been using, my worry meter, jumped from about a, probably like a three to about a six or seven at that point. Um, I mean, you can't blame the guy if he wanted to go to UCLA. It's a blue blood. And what a fitting ending to his career that would be to go and, you know, for quote-unquote resurrect the program, bring him from the depths of, you know, basketball hell. Um, I'm sure any coach would love that opportunity, especially if you're going to make a good chunk of change of it. Um, but like you said, he probably was going to take a pay cut when you look at, you know, cost of living and all that good stuff. Um you know, at the end of the day, just when you thought you were going to ride into a smooth Tennessee offseason, even with you know, the departures of Grant Williams and Jordan Bone, those are kind of expected. Grant Williams definitely and Jordan Bone was to, became more and more expected as the season wore on, as he, you know his play continued to improve. But, um, you know, just when you thought that was the least of your worries and all of a sudden it's just another curveball that almost threw us into yet another coaching search. Yeah, I thought it was a big moment for Philip Fulmer. Uh, kind of, you know, obviously his first test was, was Jeremy Pruitt. This was kind of his first battle with the adversity, I guess. Uh, you know, really stepped up to the plate, found a way to, to keep his best program intact. You know, you know, you you said it. That's his most stable program, and the the program you wouldn't expect to have drama. Uh, and to see it almost fall apart, that, that was that was really scary because it would have fallen apart. I mean, if Barnes leaves, you, yeah, can, you can pretty much count on Grant leaving. You can count on Bone leaving. Uh, well, the, you, worst, the worst part about it would have been that, you know, all of your top coaching candidates that you would have considered yeah. if this would have happened two weeks ago, they're all gone. You know, I mean, your Buzz Williams and, you know, lots of people like that, coaches like that. Yeah, they would have all been gone, and people have signed extensions. It would have been uh, – it would have been like similar to the time Tennessee had to replace Lane Kiffin, you know, just kind of behind the eight ball there. Uh, so it, it all it all worked out in the end. I, I thought Philip Fulmer's statement was kind of telling. Uh, the last part of it, uh, which read, uh, "Grateful to our university leadership, which stepped up to show Rick how much he is valued and appreciative and appreciated." Excuse me. Uh, so I, I do think there's something to that. I, I think Rick was was feeling. 
Uh, you know, underappreciated, seeing what the football staff makes, seeing how Jeremy Pruitt can hire whoever he wants. Tennessee will figure it out. I think he kind of wanted that too. So, uh, you know, with the departure of Rob Lanier, I, I think that was part of it, um, wanting salary to, to hire his new staff, which, of course, he added Kim English reportedly. I don't think that's official yet. Uh, so he got the man he wanted. All worked out in the end. So now we wait on Grant. We wait on Jordan Bone. Hopefully that group stays together. Hopefully we have another really fun basketball season ahead. Uh, all right, so when we come back, we will talk a little football and preview the upcoming orange and white game. All right, welcome back to the Rocky Top Talk podcast. Um, we've got Austin with us, better known as Power T Tape. I'm sure if you've got a Twitter account, you've been following him for a while now. Um, Austin, I just wanted to get your first impressions. You know, we really haven't seen anything yet, but I know you've done some some tape work on, on Jim Cheney's offense. I know stylistically it's going to look similar. What are some of the differences? What are you looking on, looking at for him to improve on? Yeah, I think um, with Jim, the thing that I'm most intrigued about is how he can adapt depending on his situation. Um, so when you think back to the Tennessee teams, uh, when Cheney was the offensive coordinator and then his, his brief stint as undefeated head coach, um, it was more airing it out with Bray and uh, the receiving core that we had back then. I mean, it, it, we couldn't stop anybody on defense, which is, you know, the downfall of those teams. But um, Cheney wasn't afraid to to let it rip with Bray. And, but then you think, you know, last couple years at Georgia, it's been a little bit more run heavy. They've had a huge line. Um, they had Chubb and Michelle who went on to contribute, you know, in, in the rookie seasons as NFL guys. So he just had so many, um, like tools to play with at, at Georgia, if you will. And I don't know if Tennessee, particularly up front has the same type of guys that Georgia did last year. Um, however, at least all the clips we've seen, um, to this point from coming out of spring practice, it looks like we're running kind of the same type of, of run offense. Um, and, and I think uh, that is really intriguing to me based on, you know, we have a lot of depth at wide receiver, um, and everyone kind of points to, to the line as being more of a question mark. But uh, we look to be running a lot of the same kind of zone schemes um, that that maybe we ran last year, so I'm I'm interested to see how that looks come Saturday, uh, but I, I'm confident in Jim's ability to adapt and put his players in a position where he's going to play to our strengths and not not to our weaknesses. Uh, when you say you know airing it out like what we did with Tyler Bray and all that good stuff, um, now obviously Tyler Bray and Jared Garrettano are almost two completely different types of quarterbacks just in terms of, you know, just style and all that good stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, Garantano and George, or Josh Palmer had a nice connection last year, obviously, the deep ball. Do you think Cheney tries to build off of that, or do you think he tries to more use uh, Palmer and maybe some uh, some deep posts or some digs, some dig routes, try to make him more like intermediate to deep receiver instead of just a deep threat? I think they're going to get more into the intermediate routes. I know he's uh, we've we've recruited tight end pretty heavily, and uh, 
tight end is a, a big staple, at least what he, he used at Georgia. And I think um, based on everything we've seen so far, um, they really want to utilize the tight end in the in the offense to be an established physical running team um, and then moving into, the, you know, the play action game. And so I think you're going to see a lot of like uh, – uh, dig routes through the tight end and the receivers too, and you've seen some uh, some practice video of that so far. Uh, having guys coming over the middle more, uh, and I think about that being like a, a Jawan Jennings, a guy that's not afraid to go over the middle uh, for those kind of throws. So, um, but I, I think the way that our receivers are built, any of those guys between Palmer, Jennings, and Callaway, all could do it, uh, and I think that is something that uh, you know Jim's got to be excited about just the versatility from that standpoint uh, and, and some experience coming back at tight end. He should have the ability to kind of plug guys in at different spots, throw some of our tendencies off and, and keep defenses getting that way. I'm hopeful that we see more of the post and less of the fade this year. I thought, I thought last year it was effective because our receivers were, were good and Garantano had a, a nice statistically a nice uh, deep ball accuracy um, but I thought we got a little too fade heavy last year and just chucking the nine route and um, mixing it up with deep downfield routes and, and into the intermediate routes. I, I'm hopeful we see more of that this year. Have you ever, just real quick, Jerry, sorry, but have you ever seen, like, have you ever seen any of this changing or any, like, sale concepts or high-low reads or anything like that that could put Garantano in, a, in an advantageous position where, he doesn't have to make it complicated read and hold on to the ball as long as he does from time to time. Yeah, and I and I think um, absolutely, and I think that's one of the things that we've heard consistently coming out about um, Jim Cheney is just his ability to work with quarterbacks and um, helping them get a feel for the game and making more reads, and, and hopefully he just streamlines the de- decision process. Um, so. Uh, yeah, for for concept routes like a sail or a flood or, or whatever you got, you can throw at them, and um, hopefully it just makes it easier on Garantano to go from his like hot reader as one down to his two uh, and get rid of the right. ball. And uh, and and then to add to that, um, I, I hope that Garantano is encouraged to run a little bit more. And uh, I don't know if it's just me or what, but he's he is a gifted runner. And um, and I don't think he's utilized that way enough. And I know in years past, obviously, we're worried about keeping him upright and you don't want him taking extra shots. But um, I'd like to see, to your point, like instead of hanging on to the ball, I mean, get out of the pocket and make something happen. And if there's nothing there, you know, run a little bit. And uh, But, uh, yes, uh, long story short, I do think that, uh, that it's going to be a little bit more concept-oriented and, and hopefully more simplistic read one to two, uh, maybe to, to your checkdown, and if it's not there, take off. Yeah, sticking with Garantano, uh, he's, a, he's a tough evaluation to me because you, you look at the off-the-line, he was playing uh, behind really the last two years. Uh, not, not a lot going for him there. Just nothing in the run game, nothing consistent at least. Got some really good receivers. Um, but yep. you've kind of you've kind of alluded to the fact that maybe the offense wasn't uh, you know spectacular we might say so uh, <laughs> you know didn't have the coaching staff around him didn't have a run game didn't have an offensive line how do you evaluate him going into this year what are some some pros and cons of his game before you see him live with Jim Cheney? 
Yeah, uh, obviously you got to touch on the toughness. That's the first thing that everybody talks about when they talk about Garantano, and it's uh, it's a good thing. You want you want that out of your quarterback. I think I think Garantano does everything that you could ask of him, and sometimes that's to his detriment. Like he he doesn't throw interceptions really, which is great. Uh, but you'd almost like to see him be a little bit more of a risk taker at times and and, uh, and trust his arm because you, you you've seen the flashes of his arm talent. Uh, and certainly some of the staple throws in the Cheney offense. If you think about the last two years with Georgia, Jake Fromm throws those deep outs from um, to the like far side of the field from hash mark to across to the far side of the field quite a bit. Um, so from a from a positive standpoint, he's got the physical traits. It looks like he got even bigger this offseason, uh, allegedly from yeah. Coach Fitz. Um, so. He's got the physical traits. He's got the leadership traits. I mean, he's got it all there. It's just, can he put it together? And I, I give him some uh, slack because he has had, well, I think this is his um, third offensive coordinator or fourth? I think it's his fourth. It's at least third. Yeah, his fourth. Yeah, this is fourth year on at, at school. Um, and so, you know, it does change every year. But he's he's been starting for two years now, going on two years now. Uh, and, and so it's time for him to take the next step, and I think um, it's just an unknown. I don't want to say that there's too many negatives out there right now. It's just that there's not a lot that we we know about um, him other than the flashes that he's shown, the promise that he's shown. Um, but it's, it's hard to make that consistent with um, the line play being what it has been. And so uh, what I will say about him this year is, is it, it, uh, it's all on him. Um, all the information that we've been able to gather is that the quarterback is is responsible for a lot at the line of scrimmage in terms of setting protection, reading the defenses, checking plays. Um, people have been talking up his leadership skills in the huddle uh, and, and being more of a voice on the offense. So, uh, you know, in years past, you've been able to point to offensive coordinators or, or the line or, or this and kind of excuse some things, but... If he starts off, or it, I mean, and I hate to say it because it's 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 only a spring game. It is only a practice, but he's been around a while, and if he looks kind of shaky, I mean, I mean, it's going to reflect on him at this point. You know, we can't pass the buck off on anybody else. Okay, so in come uh, Wanya Morris and Darnell Wright. Uh, he, without Trey Smith, let's just say he's completely out of the picture. Will they yeah. be enough to? make this offensive line at least somewhat competitive and not the detriment it's been the last two years or I mean will it just be another year of mediocre play up front uh, that's a great kind of an abstract question but I mean do you just I mean what kind of feeling more of what kind of feeling do they give you as as they as we enter the season yeah I no it's a great question because they're as talented as they come but and I I it's hard not to get excited about what they bring, but at the same time, they're still, you know, 18 year old kid, early enrollee guys, you know? And I think, um, so I, anytime you get somebody like that, that was playing high school ball four or five months ago, coming into the college game, you're, they're going to take, uh, some, some bumps and bruises along the way. And so I, I think that their, their ceiling is as high as anybody. And I think, um, I think it would help quite a bit from a depth perspective, but I think like let's say Trey can't go, 
Uh, you got Kennedy coming back from a, a significant injury, and then you got two unproven players that you, you're not sure what you're going to get from them, and can they last in an SEC schedule? Um, and then, you know, I know our non-conference schedule is easier this year than, than last year, but I've been kind of telling people, like, watch out for that BYU game uh, because BYU is freaking huge. So um, running to guys that maybe you didn't see at a lower level, not lower, but at high school level, and uh, and putting up, you know, being able to to stand the test of the season is, is my question with them. So uh, I I have a feeling I'm not trying to be pessimistic or negative, but I have a feeling that if we were to rely on a couple talented freshmen uh, in the SEC, that it would be another year of, of struggling and and learning. Um, but I think long term, the future is really bright. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I, I think it's it's kind of you know crazy to to require or you know rely on uh, freshmen to, to walk in and and, and start right. game one uh, and not have some some bumps in the road. I, I think what you want to see by the end of the year is the arrows start to point up. You know, that's that's what I kind of said last off season. You want to see the the arrows start to point up, and we felt that way. Watching the Kentucky game and then the Missouri and Vandy mm-hmm. game, it just it, it all fell apart. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I think you were in a similar spot here, especially with off the line. You just want to see them start moving guys off the ball come November. So if if, if I see that, uh, I'll feel really good going into next off season. Yeah. All right. So yeah. shifting gears to defense, uh, wanted to talk about the pass rush because it's been a problem for, gosh, since Derek Barnett was here. Um, <laughs> you got Dar- you got Daryl Taylor here. Uh, yeah, it really does. You got Daryl Taylor here, who, who's really good, impactful. Maybe not the most consistent guy in the world, um, but outside of him, there, there's not a much. There's not much here. Uh, so, sign Roman Harrison. Maybe maybe you get something there. A four star player, uh, Quavaris Crouch. We don't know if he's going to play inside outside. Probably going to play a little bit of both. There's guys like Kevon Bennett who's gotten some hype from the coaching staff. There's DeAndre Johnson. Just a bunch of guys that we don't really know where they're going to fit in. Uh, Austin, who's your who's your best bet outside of Taylor uh, to get five sacks on the year? Uh, <laughs> uh, good question. I, You know, if I had to give it to anybody, probably Daniel Batuli, uh, just because of the experience and because he's a tackling machine. And I'm hopeful that we can uh, we can get a little bit more pressure on the quarterback this year uh, from our blitz looks. Uh, uh, you know, I w- I'd like to see us when we send pressure actually get there instead of just sending pressure and not getting there. Um, <laughs> so I would I would have to give the nod to him on some blitz looks. I don't think it's going to come from the guys up front. Although I'm I'm high on Emmett Gooden. Love that kid's work ethic uh, coming obviously from. Uh, Independence Community College, which is a great series on Netflix there with Last Chance U. But seeing his growth last year and now kind of being the guy, having lost um, Tuttle and stuff up front, like uh, he, I hope that he's disruptive up front. But I, his role isn't really to be like a, a you know, a, a sack edge rushing kind of guy. So I think he's going to be destructive, especially in the run game. But I think your your sacks are more going to come from your linebackers. And coming off the edge, I think Taylor's going to be the guy that comes off the edge, you know, the most consistently. And and he's um and we're going to be more in a in a four two five look 
just based on how most teams play college football now, meaning, you know, we're going to have our three down linemen and then Taylor on an, on an edge in a stand-up role, typically. Um, and so outside of that, I would say Batuli on a blue. But, I, I mean, um, I wouldn't be surprised uh, on one of these, these young freshmen. This is where I think freshmen might actually uh, might have an impact for us. Well, speaking of um, four, two, five alignment, three down, and freshman, yeah. who the hell is going to play nose man? Uh, the the big, the biggest defensive lineman is Kingston Harris, a redshirt freshman, and he weighs three hundred twelve pounds. That to me yeah. does sound like the recipe for success up front. Yeah, I, I I don't know, and I don't know if we're going to know that until uh, the first game of the year. Will they even be because, whoever they trot out there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we've got a lot of guys out in the spring. Um, I, I don't, Terry. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't even think that uh, we're totally sure on um, some of those transfers uh, being able to play. Yeah, we're not. Uh, we're, we're waiting on Aubrey Solomon. Uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard they're optimistic on Solomon. Yeah, not, maybe slightly less optimistic on D'Angelo Gibbs, but Solomon would be a big, big, big. Yeah. yeah, he's on. He's on I mean, like pounds at that point. Right. Yeah. So he he maybe doesn't have the uh, quite the size that you're looking for in terms of girth. But I mean, we were playing Kyle Phillips with a uh, down right. with his hand on the ground. I think he was listed at like two sixty something, and I, oh, I'm not yeah. even sure he was there. Does so, does defense require a lot of two gapping from the nose, or is it more just each player has their own gap? Uh. I don't know the specifics because I don't have a playbook. I've been looking really hard, man. I've been trying to get one, but um, uh, I don't. To my knowledge, I don't think it's a, a ton of two gapping, but I, I could be wrong. But that's just based on based on what I'm, what I'm watching. I think it's more gap control and letting your your linebackers run through and make a play. It's just straight from Saban, which is why you see those. Uh, uh, middle linebackers in Alabama's defense uh, being, you know, top 10 draft picks every year and, and what have you. So. Well, that um, makes make a lot of sense. And, and then you wouldn't need the size. And really yeah, right. Well, which well, is, that's, which, that's a really good transition. I was going to ask you about Henry Taoto here. Uh, right. You know, a, a really big recruit that Tennessee kind of wrestled away from, from Saban, uh, a guy that is not here in the spring. You won't see him. Uh, coming up on on Saturday, but you see him in the fall, I believe. Uh, really good size, I believe six two. You know him and Quavaris Crouch are, are really similar in size. Kind of, yep. how do you see those two fitting in? Because you know initially I thought Quavaris was going to play on the edge for Tennessee, but kind of looking deeper, he's only six foot one. Maybe doesn't have the length, so. I think I get the feel that he's going to be one of those true four for four guys that Pruitt talks about uh, playing inside and playing outside on some passing down situations. Yeah, and and I think I had an article about I don't forget a couple of weeks ago just about that, and I think it's a strategy that Pruitt's using is a lot of these guys that maybe played outside linebacker in high school coming in teaching them inside linebacker so they know it, and then being able to play them at outside linebacker as well. Um, because we've seen Crouch do that, we've seen JJ Peterson do that, who is, um, by all accounts, in much better shape this uh, this off season than when he came in in the fall last year. Uh, and then um, Toto is is looking at doing that too. So uh, it, I could see any of those three guys uh, 
plan, especially when you consider, too, we get the news, um, or it's been kind of talked about on, on Twitter, that uh, Darren Kirkland Jr. may not be back. He's been out for the spring, uh, and he may just sit out and play uh, for the in the or He may sit out and get ready for the draft. So um, any of those three guys could be could be in this thing, um, whether it's at inside linebacker or at outside linebacker. Yeah, JJ Peterson's kind of a you kind of forget about him. It's weird yeah. because it was such a big deal to pull him. But, you know, it was really a non-factor last year, got here late. So um, that's a good point, See, seeing him get involved in this defense and the teeth of this defense. That'll be a lot of fun. Uh, again, it's unfortunate for Kirkland because that was a really special player. Uh, it, at least it appeared to be the makings of a special player. Uh, and that knee just, just hasn't cooperated. So wish him luck. Hopefully he gets healthy. Hopefully he doesn't get dinged too much at the combine next year. Uh, and he can get a chance to play in the league. So uh, I, I think that'll do it for tonight. We're, we're going to wrap things up here and, and look ahead to the game on, on Saturday. Uh, maybe we can get Austin back next uh, next week and kind of break that things down, break down what we saw. Uh, I know we're going to have a ton of reaction up on the site, rockytoptalk.com for all of that. Uh, we'll give we'll give Austin a, a couple weeks to digest the the film and get a full breakdown. <laughs> uh, you know, offense, defense. He had that stuff up uh, last year. Yep. It was really good, yep. really in depth, really informative. So you'll learn a lot there. So be looking for that over the next uh, couple weeks. But again, we'll be back next week to break down what we see. Uh, spring game, I believe it starts at 6 p.m. Eastern under the lights at Newland Stadium, presented by Chevrolet. Um, so it'll be a lot of fun. So for Evan, Bye. this is Terry, and thanks to Austin for joining us again. We will catch you all next time.